1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y wherever in the world you are today. Uh, so today is October eighteenth. Uh, we're, we're, you know, kind of heading into, uh, you know, the end of the year, and already, kind of, people are starting to under, understand, um, you know, this is this is going to end as a bear. I don't think there's any way out of this this year uh, from a crypto market perspective, but. The, the point I always like to make is this is not a winter in any way, shape, or form. There's way too much innovation, there's way too much investing, and there's way too much focus on the underlying technologies today. Um, ICO craze has kind of come and gone. The NFT boom has kind of bubbled and burst. Um, but but the underlying blockchain technologies and the underlying utility around what can happen is growing Exponentially faster now that the focus is off uh, on all the FUD and all the the FOMO and everything else, and we're really getting down to work. So I've got two really amazing guests with me today, and I'm excited to talk to Baron and Luke uh, about their project solo music. But before we get into that, Baron, would you mind kind of uh, giving us some background on on who you are and and where you came from?
2: Definitely, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I've spent my entire career so far in technology. I, I started out basically just doing uh, business-to-business IT consulting, helping people migrate from physical infrastructure to the cloud. That was really my first um, gig. And so I spent a lot of time at the intersection of where technology is sort of adopted and why it's adopted. And so, um, you know, when I first got introduced to blockchain sometime around 2016, it was immediate to me, the technological advantages as to, you know, what were coming, obviously still very, very early 2016, earlier than some, uh, not as early as some, uh, you know, uh, i regret to inform you that we're not on my private island right now. So clearly I did not play my cards well enough in uh, 2016 when things were still nice and cheap. But, um, you know, since that time I've spent, I launched an email security company um, previously and did that for a little while. I actually, uh, believe it or not, worked on a hospitality company in downtown Nashville. I started a bar, it was a private bar that um, actually had crypto miners as part of its decoration because I was working on a crypto mining facility in downtown Nashville at that time, a Bitcoin Ethereum mining facility in downtown Nashville. Um, opening date, March of 2020. So an absolutely unbelievable time to open a bar in uh, downtown Nashville. So uh, fortunately enough for me, that sort of redirected my path back to where I belong, which is really my, my happy home, which is technology here. And so, um, you know, always knew that I wanted to really focus on the adoption of blockchain technology. That always has kind of been um, where I felt like my skill set sort of lied. I spent a lot of time training people on, um, you know, how to essentially teach others about technology and the benefits of how they could apply it to their businesses and to their lives. And from my perspective... The only thing that's really separating right now, other than obviously clean, you know, user interfaces and better experiences, is just general education around this topic as to why, you know, why do we want to migrate to the blockchain? Why are digital assets superior, you know, to what we have done previously? And so, um, you know, being in Nashville, Tennessee, having a lot of friends in the music industry, being a super passionate music fan myself, my parents were actually um, gospel musicians back in the day, and uh, me and my brothers were roadies. We would kind of roll around, uh, you know, with them. Music is just always been such a huge part of my life and you look at the music industry and it's so ripe for technological innovation anyway not I mean even outside of blockchain you know the contracting the payouts everything like that so um, it came pretty clear uh, pretty quickly that this was an area that I wanted to spend some time in and and focus on to really see if we could help you know empower the next generation of creators and I got introduced to uh, Luke and as they say uh, you know the rest is history we've been rolling since then. (laughs) That's fabulous.
1: Well, Luke, let's just go jump right over to your your background and how you ended up uh, with with Barron as a partner in this crazy world.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's actually a pretty great story. So I uh, spent three years building a travel tech company um, that was also due to launch March of 2020. And as you can expect, people were not traveling at that time. Um, so I was kind of forced to hand to kind of do something different. My background originally was in real estate. So I, um, quickly started a commercial real estate, uh, development company. Um, and it, it shot off pretty fast and, uh, that allowed me to, um, kind of, take some time to kind of focus on what I really wanted to do. My passion is in technology. I've always wanted to build a technology company, but, um, I was pretty good at, uh, real estate. So I, uh, just dove into real estate for a little bit and, I uh, got a couple projects going at the time, uh, Baron and I had a mutual friend that connected us to go play golf. And so Baron hopped in my cart and we knew each other for probably six or seven years, but not on a close level around hole nine. He started talking about blockchain, which I was very interested in because of, uh, the immense amounts of money that were being printed. I was getting concerned about what fiat currency was going to look like in the future and what another alternative is. And so I was diving into cryptocurrency at the time and he was, uh, told me about this idea of what do you think an artist, you know, selling a one of one, NFT that resembled a song and you had ownership of that song. And it frankly just blew me away to think about thinking of the ways that different blockchain companies are going to be made for asset ownership and what that looks like. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I was laying in bed at night I couldn't go to sleep. And I just said, you know what, this is what's next. This is, this is the next company that I think that we're going to do. And so I sold all my properties. I invested in the company and we started from there.
1: Congratulations. I, I love like just entrepreneurs that that absolutely understand the risk and go for it. Um, so, and, and both of you guys were affected by, you know, quarantine and COVID. And and so I think it's really interesting from that perspective uh, that you both ended up in an asset class that that is relatively immune um, mm-hmm. from a global shutdown. Uh, that That's really where YWILS was founded was there was, you know, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs, you know, sitting around at home in front of the computer, um, you know, wanting to derive value from themselves. And I think that you guys are identifying a market of musicians, uh, that absolutely can work from home. They absolutely can, uh, provide and create value, uh, you, but you got to give them some tools. So, yep. so, uh, Baron, let's just kind of dive right into what, uh, solo music is, um, and, and kind of your goals, your mission vision, uh, of, of what you're trying to accomplish.
2: Definitely, um, you know. So, Solo Music is a is a Web three platform for musicians and brands around the music industry to be able to uh, stand up and sell NFTs that either either are a single, like a song, or an album. Um, you can sell digital artwork. You can do pretty much anything you want to do with the platform, and it's all point and click. You can log in with a Gmail, and um, we actually stand up a non custodial crypto wallet for you in the background. You have no idea that you're using a wallet. We just call it a program profile. You can have users pay with a credit card. So it's a very low friction experience for your end users. And what we've tried to do with, um, you know, the V2, which is what we're going to be talking to you about today is the new version of the platform that's about to launch is 100% self-service. Artists and brands can onboard themselves and they can use our platform to start to build digital communities. So we've taken the best of Uh, Discord and Dropbox and Zoom and all these other places that people have to go right now to build digital communities. And you really do. In order to deliver a valuable experience for your users, you have to master all of these additional social tools. Well, that can be extremely cumbersome for an artist who's already touring and trying to create new content for their fans. And so um, we have actually added in a fully token gated digital community on the backside of the platform. So now when one of your users comes on and they buy your NFT, they're automatically included in your community. And so we have a a posting wall where you can upload premium content. We have live streaming capabilities. We have segmented chat based upon which NFTs you own all on the backside of the platform. And we're trying to help the music industry and really NFTs in general, take a massive step forward in answering the question that 99% of people who don't own an NFT ask every time I talk to them about this, which is why do I want to own an NFT? Who cares? How does this apply to me? And a very easy way to demonstrate value is, hey, I want access to that content. I can't get access to the content without owning the NFT. Um, The big difference has been that up until now, asking users to manage wallets, asking users to manage cryptocurrency has been a huge barrier to entry for a lot of people. And so uh, we've tried to break down as many of those barriers as we possibly can and make it basically our, our our goal is to be the zero to one for any artist or musician or brand that wants to get into the space, uh, but is a little nervous about what that means and and how they can really provide a valuable experience for their fans.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. And, and, you know, there's not a single industry really on the planet that isn't ripe for destruction for <laughs> destruction, not destruction. You know, um, um kind of re-, re reimagining in a variety of ways, mm-hmm. um, and and disrupting. And so, Luke, can you talk a little bit about the way the industry is today and, and kind of the reasons why this is so big of an initiative and will help so many future artists uh to kind of bridge the gap between, you know, concept and actual, you know, fans.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I just have, I have dreams and visions at night of how different artists and songwriters and brands can utilize uh, our platform. You know, I personally have a dream where uh, we have an artist that comes to us and just says, Hey, you know, I'm from Alabama. I'm a country singer. I have a following of 50,000 people on Instagram and it's my passion. It's what I love to do, but I don't have the connections in Nashville. I don't have the relationships. I have to work a second job. And what solo music did was they allowed me to sell NFTs to my core fans. And that gave me the capital to really launch my career and be able to be a full-time songwriter, a a full-time singer. And so I would love for this shift for people to understand how they can utilize NFTs to monetize their careers. Because this is a new way to monetize your career and it's going to be really fun to see how some people leverage it and use it to launch their careers and to start their businesses and um, for songwriters for gosh if you're an inspired songwriter and you have access it's all about access right it's access to songwriters on our platform that have multiple number ones and you're an aspiring songwriter well now you get access to them before there's no way that you get access to these guys. I mean, you'd have to move to a city like Nashville or LA or New York and build your community and, and network constantly just to get in front of these people. But now this is a fast gateway to get right in front of these people and start the collaboration, start that relationship. And I just think it's going to be a massive disruptor in the industry just because of access.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. and one of the things to kind of point out real quick for anyone listening that doesn't understand how music is made, um, it, it st- let's start from, you know, the very, you know, kind of independent level. Um, it, it's extremely expensive in a lot of ways. I mean, I think people think that, you know, hey, you can go on your laptop, you can record something real quick, you can throw it up on SoundCloud. You absolutely can. Um, but to, you know, the the professional mixers and and the people behind the scenes that that, you know, where does the beat come from? Where does the lyrics come from? Like, there's a lot of work that goes into the the mainstream songs that you guys hear on the radio, mm-hmm. um, and and it costs a lot of money to get those people in place. And so the idea that you guys have around allowing musicians to have you know fans and and know where their fans are and be able to communicate with their fans is massive. Because right now they have no ownership of those. You know they can have a million viewer a million followers on Instagram or or any SoundCloud, any of these things. They don't own those. They have no control over there. And, and by the, if they say one wrong word um, or just kind of fall on the wrong side of, of uh, favor. You know we saw. Con- Kanye removed Kanye is a massive, um, massive influencer for for over two decades at this point almost, um, and was entirely removed from social media. He had to go buy his own. Um, but for I, w- I will bet that any struggling musician does not have the the capital nor the experience to go buy their own social media platform. So so you guys solve a lot of these problems for kind of an up and coming entrepreneur um, slash musician to to own uh, their audience and own their path. Uh, is that correct, Baron?
2: Yeah, it is. And I was going to say, you know, back to the original uh, part of the original question, which was, you know, problems with the existing industry and why this is going to be such a massive step forward. Even take an artist that is not independent, that is signed to a label, um, you know, or a songwriter who does have a couple of number one hits. The issues around contracts and asset ownership and who owns what and how they get paid i mean we actually have a songwriter that we work with who has sometimes his royalty checks sent to another gentleman with his exact same name completely by accident and it's only out of the goodness of that guy's heart that he turns around and forwards that check back to the right guy the music industry overall is living in the dark ages from a technology perspective and for a lot of artists you know maybe they are signed to a label um, and they want to have a new way to monetize their audience a new way to generate income from their fans and for a lot of artists like you were talking about on the independent side you know if you look at the streaming revenues and you look at how much it actually takes in order to make money as a musician, it is an extremely, extremely daunting task with the end of CD sales, record sales, and the advent of streaming you know, as the primary medium for how we consume music, that really cut the legs out of a lot of the earning potential for musicians, because now they have to get, you know, a couple million streams to really see any type of sustainable income. Whereas with an NFT, you could go to your thousand core fans and sell them for a hundred bucks a pop, and you've got a six-figure income for yourself right there. So we really feel like that we're just getting started, um, you know, with the ways that this technology, long term, is going to impact. I mean, we can get into royalties and splits and um, the ability to sell a fraction of your assets. I mean, there's so many ways that this technology is going to impact the industry overall. But I think, um, you know, Luke's point stands of access and having access to your favorite artists and also your point of having access to your fans we're definitely solving those things um you know but putting your song on the blockchain and selling it as an nft can have much greater ramifications down the line you know for how overall this ability of smart contracts and fractionalized digital assets and everything else you know is really going to impact the industry long term for sure
1: yeah i mean it's it's absolutely you know it's not groundbreaking to think of this, but it's it's realistic that we need an alternative. Yeah. Um, not everyone, you know, not every musician is able to, to again, you know, move to a centralized place where all the executives are. Um, not everyone is able to record music, you know, using the, the highest end tools that exist on the planet. And so, you know, Luke, or, uh, yeah, Luke, if you would just mind kind of talk through kind of what, what the workflow would be if someone, from the first time they identify uh, your platform until kind of launching their first song, what does that look like?
3: Yeah. So it's as easy as logging in. Once you log in at the top of the right corner, it says become an artist and you click that button and then you fill out your profile page. It's got a, uh, profile, uh, picture, you got a banner and then the name a description. You can link all your socials, uh, then once you upload that, you can start to create a release. So when you create a release, these are different segments of different NFT projects that you can launch. Once you create your l- release, then you click this button that says create NFT. And it's as simple as dragging and dropping into, uh, into the uh, window and listing your description and what the utility is behind your NFT and what it stands for and push create. And it's as simple as that.
1: That's fabulous. So what does that what does the NFT um truly stand for? What is what what do they own? What's the utility? If you can just kind of walk through some details, that'd be fabulous.
2: Yeah, it just it depends on um, what the artist wants to sell, right? So they can sell a song and they can sell, you know, full commercial rights and access to that song via the smart contract. Um it's their smart contract, they own it. Uh, you know our system just creates it for them. So um, you know, really is up to the artists in terms of their discretion. We have a lot of artists like we've done drops so far with, um, you know, the CMA, Country Music Awards, Walker Hayes, Eric Pasley, a few, um, you know, bigger names like that of country acts that we have worked with. And we've already done a wide variety of drops. We actually did a, a royalty based drop for Eric Pasley. We did a one of one digital drawing that also came with, you know, VIP package for Walker Hayes. And then we did just sort of a standard like community drop where the NFT just represented access to the CMA digital community. They actually gave away award show tickets. They've already, you know, more than service that fan base to the point of, uh, doubling, you know, their initial investment in the project in terms of a dollar to dollar comparison. So, um, you know, it really is very much up to the artist in terms of what they're selling and what type of media they put in there. Is it a music video that they can then upload to YouTube and actually have the commercial rights to, right? I mean, there's a lot of options for musicians. We try to, on the initial Um, you know, eliminate all of that complexity and then allow people to go deeper into the actual use case of blockchain technology as they get more comfortable working with smart contracts and working with the platform. Initially, when you go in there, you just upload the media, the smart contract writes itself, and you're off to the races. But if you want to get more incremental about what you can do, uh, you know, you do have the ability to do that on the platform as well.
1: That's amazing. So, so when you're pitching this to, you know, musicians or, Mm -hmm. or producers, what's their kind of initial reaction and and what are kind of the biggest hurdles you guys have to overcome on this? Cause you know, blockchain and NFTs don't always have the greatest reputation.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me and then Luke, you know, he can speak for obviously the conversations that he's been having as well. But for me, you know, initially it's like a, Mixture of curiosity and a little bit of a too good to be true kind of feel. Um, you know, a lot of musicians are very experienced with uh, that we've been talking to are experienced working with other platforms where there's mandatory crypto involvement, there's mandatory wallet knowledge that has to come into play in order for people to actually participate. A lot of them are also extremely controlled. I talked to many artists who are like, wait, I just get to get on and and build a profile, because a lot of them are curated. And I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with some level of curation. I think that, you know, we all benefit in our lives from the Spotify suggested playlists, uh, you know, from time to time and different things like that. But for blockchain, for my money, um, you know, it's about openness and access. And so a lot of musicians are very excited about the prospect of having a platform that's not going to limit um, you know, who can get on and what they can sell. And so I would say the biggest uh, challenges that we have to overcome are still just the general, um, you know, blockchain pushback that everybody gets, right? Just general concerns around the security and the long-term viability and what does this mean? And, um, you know, so like I said, before we, uh, you know, even jumped on, I think education is still a huge barrier and we're still doing a lot of the, you um, sort of groundwork, ground and pound, heavy lifting on just educating artists about, hey, this is how you can leverage the platform. This is how you can build a digital community. This is how you can sell a song, sell an album. I mean, we really are Um, you know, very much coaching people through this. And then when the platform goes live, we will have a whole education portal around how people can, you know, leverage the platform. So hopefully uh, we're going to eliminate, you know, that, that barrier pretty quickly, but, you know, just general skepticism, I would say around the platform, Um, you know, but a lot of them are very excited because they're nervous about getting into the space. They don't understand um, Discord, especially, is one we get all the time. People just, you know, they're super intimidated when they log into Discord for the first time. And so the thought of having to embrace that in some way to actually deliver, you know, a valuable community experience for people is very daunting. And so they're excited about the prospect of, you know, having it just look a little more like something they're used to.
1: No, I, I completely agree with that, and, and familiarity of, of a you know and, and ease of use is massive. Um, the, the first thing that comes to my mind, and, and I'll, I'll throw it over to Luke, um, is copyright issues. <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's the it was the number one issue with Napster. It was the number one issue with um, a variety of these platforms out there. SoundCloud, you know, deals with it on a daily basis. You know, how are you guys going to manage people, you know, uploading the Beatles and, and other things uh, to make a quick buck?
3: I'm, I'm going to throw that over to Baron. He's that's more of his lane than, than mine.
2: Yeah, done. Gotcha. So, uh, we work with some extremely, extremely talented attorneys. And I know that that may sound, um, you know, like not the sexiest thing in the world to say for an entrepreneur, but they're very, very necessary. And so, uh, we work with a guy here in Nashville named Kent Marcus, who, um, if you're not familiar with his work, he's actually the guy who helped the Kings of Leon negotiate their very first NFT deal. And they were one of the, you know, initial musicians to really embrace this. He's done a lot of negotiations with Sony and Universal Music Group. He's actually writing a lot of the standard contract language now that the labels are putting in as far as NFTs and ownership and who gets what. Now, the good thing for us as a platform is, you know, from a copyright perspective, we kind of wash our hands a little bit. The artist has to signify that they, in fact, own the copyright and that they're the ones who have permission to upload that material. We have a, um, a dispute process where we can actually, um, we can't obviously shut down the NFTs once they are minted to be blockchain, but we can terminate people's profiles on the platform. So we do have some measure of control as to who gets to use the platform. If you're found to be in violation, et cetera, et cetera, you know, we can shut you down. Copyright for us, is something that as the technology continues to improve, we will continue to implement the necessary steps to make sure that we're staying in lockstep with with what is you know possible and what is capable. We also have a verification process for the artists as well on the platform. So if you want to make sure that you're buying the NFT from the correct source with the appropriate copyright, we have designations on the platform to help users avoid, you know, uh, perspective uh, scams and different things like that of people who don't actually own the copyright who don't have the ability to um, you know give away any of that in any particular case and so um, you know for us it's really more about, making sure that the lanes are clear, the lines are drawn, our contracts are rock solid and set around what our personal, you know, liability is to the end user um, in terms of, you know, what that copyright is. But at the end of the day, similar to, you know, other content platforms that allow for, you know, free uploading of material, there's only so much that you can do with the current technology as it exists right now. Now, one of the, you know, The key things about blockchain that I look forward to is this provability of assets all the way back down the chain to the point of creation and being able to segment content, um, you know, based upon that record of transaction. Um, Obviously, we all know that it's not there 100% yet today, but that technology is continuing to improve and I'm, I'm sure it will be soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest things about Web three is is the concept of of the true ownership of your identity online. Um, right now, that does not exist. You you are essentially having logins to hundreds, potentially thousands, of of various protocols, of which they own your. Your your profile and your online identity, and you're just using their systems to to access it. Um, but the concept that you could have, you know, an artist truly own um, their their songs, truly own their fans, and and I really like your guys' approach, where it's like you're just the tools, you're you're just creating the system, the operating system for which to do this. How they choose to interact and and what they do is is really up to them. Um, what was the you know because you're already on version two, love that you know the fact that you're rapidly evolving. What were kind of um, you know from that initial thesis that you guys launched V1? What were the, the not misses but but kind of quite simply the the biggest um, uh, issues that that caused you to already move to a V2 this quickly?
3: Simple scaling. We cannot scale. As fast as we wanted to, you know, we had multiple artists wanting to hop on. And at the time, it was a very manual process of, you know, putting together this game plan and this community and posts and uh, art curation and, and uh, utility behind the NFTs and helping the artists, and which is fine in the beginning because you need to, right? I mean, if we understand the technology and, and you know, breaking into it that's, it's going to take a little bit of handholding in the beginning. But what we found out was that was that process was a month and a half to two months long. And we had a dozen to two dozen artists wanting to hop on the platform and we didn't have enough people to take care of that. And so we had to say, timeout, we need to solve this scaling issue. And that's where we moved to the version two of what we're talking about today. So Baron, do you have anything you want to add to that as well?
2: No, I mean I just think that again, you know, as we we were actually helping to execute some of the, you know, digital community strategy for the CMA for Walker Hayes for those guys and it became pretty clear very quickly that the tooling that was necessary to provide a valuable community experience for people was extremely lacking or it was just too complex. I mean, asking a regular songwriter to learn how to token gate a discord channel. Are you kidding me? You know, like that's just never going to happen. But that premium access is something that is a direct, you can point directly to it and say, this is a value and a utility of me owning this NFT is I have access to this channel or I have access to this content or I have access to whatever. And so as we were working through with CMA and Walker and these others, it became pretty clear that if we could just empower people with those social tools as well, um, you know, they could really take the initial concepts and ideas that have kind of been established as best practices and go run with them themselves. So that's the only thing that I would add is just uh, you asked what we bumped into or it was like not a miss, but maybe a, hey, we need to learn from this. I would say that that's the one is we greatly, not underestimated, but I guess- Um, you know, yeah, let's call it underestimated, the significance of the technology tools on the backside to deliver a quality community experience. And then once we got into it, we were like, this is busted we have got to do something about this to help artists be able to onboard more easily you know i mean it's just it was just that simple so i just piggyback off of luke for that
1: yeah no and i, I love the fact that it, you already ran into a scaling issue um and and, the, and if the content issue is is there and you're saying people like your content they just can't get into the platform like you know that that's uh god what did google call their social media network for the five minutes that it oh uh Spaces ah. or circles or something. Yeah, circles. It, I think that was it. circles. Yeah, it, it, and it was that was the exact issue. Is when you got in there, it was fine, but it was a vacuum of no one else being there because you couldn't. They literally wouldn't let anyone onboard into it, which is such a weird thing in this day and age. Yeah. Um, and vice versa, you had the exact opposite happen with Olympus Dow last year. Olympus Dow was able to onboard everyone super fast. You know, going from zero to three point four billion dollars um, with tens of thousands i think over a hundred thousand users um literally in, in just a few months but then they had the opposite problem there was nothing there to do <laughs> everything was broken there was there was right. you know they had no, they had no team and so it came crashing down you know j- just about as fast um but but i love that those are you know multiple problems of which have to be solved and that you guys are taking very holistic um traditional business um theses to to you know scaling problems you know how do we you know it's great that people are interested but if they can't get in here what difference does it make
2: Yeah. And I think that's honestly one of our core advantages as a team to be real with you is just practical business experience. I think a lot of people, you know, this may sound strange, but at 34, sometimes I sort of feel like a dinosaur in the web three space. I mean, it seems like every entrepreneur that I talk to is, you know, fresh off the boat, so to say, and, and, you know, this is their first journey into this. This is their first venture. They raise a ton of capital in a lot of situations. And then it's like, you know, what do we do? Well, you know, your objective is still to build a profitable company. I mean, that's what you're doing here, right? It's to ultimately make money and build a sustainable company for your employees and yourself, and uh, you know, for the benefit of your users. And um, you know, a, a lot of people in this space do not have a background of practical business experience in in either the web two or the real estate world or or wherever. And so I think that that is something that we bring to the table is uh, we do think typically a little more practically and a little less, um, you know, like the Olympus Dow, so to say. Uh, you know, we're not looking to stand up, reverse bond markets, and uh, you know, give people discounts on token distributions. Uh, we could do a token in the future if we wanted to. It very easily could be integrated as part of our platform. Um, you know, but we're not planning to do that in the immediate future. We really want to focus on the core technology. We want to make sure that it's a an extremely easy and valuable experience for our users. And I kind of go back to <clears throat> You know what so many other great tech entrepreneurs before us have said, which is if you just stay laser focused on making your users the happiest that you can possibly make them, then you're probably going to end up in a in a decent situation as far as your company is concerned. So um, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because it really is something where sometimes you know. I know that sounds crazy at 34 to say, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's a lot of people in this space who are who are first timers.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and bet that Luke and I uh, d- don't have much pity on you at, at 35 <laughs> to feel like you're a dinosaur. Cause, cause How we're, old we're, do
2: you think I am, man? Oh man, this uh, here we go. It's all over
1: there. We're we're, we're getting there. We got, a, we got a little gray here, but no, I, I entirely agree with you that the you know the first decade of of blockchain, which we've kind of come you know is kind of come and gone. You know, Bitcoin's been around for for over 12 years at this point. Um, and so we're really kind of looking back at, at essentially like the concept has worked. It's, it does stand up. It does hold from some of the very base level protocols, you know, blockchain proof of work, uh, is, is, you know, can't be broken. Um, proof of stake has got, you know, a lot of legs on it and, and a really good way to go. Um, but that's great. Those are chains. They, they exist. And I understand there's, you know, new chain being born every other week. Um, but, but now we need to put stuff on them. And, and those, those assets have to have real world value, real world utility. Um, and so, you know, the, the concept that you guys have is great, you know, build a community, you know, create products and, and projects that people are interested in, um, and allowing money and monetary, you know, flows, It you know, based on those, that utility usage is fabulous. And then the concept is that when someone doesn't want it anymore, they say, Hey, you know, I, I, I'm not interested in this artist anymore. He said something I didn't like, or or I just don't feel the connection to him anymore. That they that can be passed on to the to the next person that is interested or does like you know that that response. I think that's a fascinating way um, yeah. to continue evolving um, versus the the dis the, the what I refer to as the Discord dead numbers mm. um, game, where it's like how many people at one point logged into your server. That's um, a metric that's irrelevant. Yeah, no,
3: well, I mean, something else about. Some sorry Baron. something else about discord that just really turned us off was you know you're those members are expecting you to be on there 24 7 i mean and they get ticked off if there's not a monitor right on there or if there's not the owner on there and we're just like look this is a toxic community environment you know you have people that hop on here and that uh, spread some FUD or some talk bad about your project and they're possibly from another project, you know? And so we're like, we have to build our own community. We need to migrate. Like we don't need to, we'd be doing our artists a big disservice if we were like, Hey, sell your NFTs and build on discord, you know? So we wanted everything to happen in in house and in a good community because people that buy your NFTs that have that access to your community, those are positive people. Those are people that really like you or else they wouldn't invest in you. So we hope that our community side is just going to be a very positive environment for our artists. Talk
1: talk to me about you've 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 done a number of drops. I mean, obviously you you migrated to, to V2. Talk to me about one of the successful uh, projects that you guys have done and and what that kind of meant in a monetary way for you know again just generalities uh, mm-hmm. for the artists that did it.
2: Yeah, so uh, you know we can talk about Walker Hayes. That was a, a good one for us. So you know Walker wanted to start out with something that would be very easily tied to real world value so that he guaranteed that whatever somebody paid for, you know, this NFT could also translate into something that they could say, Hey, dollar for dollar, you know, I really got what I, what I paid for here. And so uh, we worked with Walker's team to establish um, what he considers to be sort of the foundation of his digital community. And what he did was, um, you know, he actually was on vacation and he was at the beach and he hand drew some drawings in the sand, of what his most recent album what each song meant to him and kind of a uh, you know the image that came to mind when he pictured each track and we took those sand drawings and turned those into digital recreations of him essentially drawing Um, you know, what each track means to him. And so what you got with that was you got a VIP, you know, backstage passes to one of his shows. You're now a member of the Walker Hayes digital community. You got a one of one, you know, piece of art from Walker. We actually got him to agree to do one where um, the artwork initially was just a question mark. And then the user got to design with him, the artwork that was drawn for the NFT. So we tried to get super creative and, you know, we only sold 13 NFTs uh, as part of that drop, um, you know, but he still was able to do you know, a little over 28 grand in terms of the actual dollars that he put into that. So for him, you know, for somebody like Walker Hayes, $28,000, you know, may or may not move the needle a ton. Right. But if you think about that application to a, a lesser known artist, that's what gets me excited is when you start taking these like macro use cases and applying them in, you know, micro scenarios for people who $28,000 may be the difference between them being able to do music full time or not. And so, we helped Walker's team establish that core of his digital community, sell these one-of-one one NFTs, deliver a valuable experience for his fans, and now he's getting ready with the V2 to even do a much larger drop, um, You know, include a ton more people into the space. But that was his sort of... Um, you know, let's test the waters and see what we can get kind of situation here. Same thing for CMA, same thing for Eric Pasley. We really have sort of tried to be that bridge that could convince people that it's a good idea to start small. Um, you know, our big thesis around this is that the drops where you have musicians that are raising, you know, two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 initially on a drop without any music, that's a very difficult proposition. I mean, Jay, you know how hard it is when you raise money and now you have investors that have expectations and then all of a sudden, you know, the pressure starts cooking up a little bit more and then you have a job that is very creative, very artistically based. You have to be in a good flow state in order to actually produce something that can really be valuable in terms of what its like real-world impact is in terms of music. Well, if you have You know, 5,000 people who've given you 300 grand in your Discord going, you know, win music, win music, win value, win value. You know, it can kind of turn into a little bit of a snowball um, and really get away from you before you know it. And so, even all of our drops, you know, CMA, uh, Walker, Eric, we started with very low price points. I mean, the CMA one we did for 25 bucks in NFT. It was really just a very like, Get in, check this out, be part of the community. Happy to report that, you know, we've already had some secondary market sales of, you know, over double that in value, which is great. You know, clearly people are seeing the long-term value of being part of CMA's digital community. But, um, you know, for us, it was less about the overall dollars in terms of economic impact to these brands and more about setting the table that, hey, this is a valuable place for you to allocate resources and to spend time and moving forward, you know, now it'll be a big part of what they're planning to do next.
1: I love that. I love that. Really amazing conversation, and and I love the thought of how you guys are are taking about this, uh, taking this approach with musicians who sometimes are technically enabled, sometimes are not, and making it very fluid for them to onboard into your into your project into your project. Um, but more so, how to build a community. Um, and any Web three project that does not have the word community in it, to me, is just dead in the water. Um, that's great that that theoretically, you know, you love it or that someone, you know, finds a ton of value in it. Um, but if you don't have fans that are connected um, to what you're building, then you're building in isolation. And so I love the fact that you guys have gone through an entire revision to make it easier to onboard, to make it easier for fans to to find and, and uh, you know, manage their, their portfolio of, of artists that they love. Um, and so I'm really excited to see where this goes and I'm also excited to try it out. My kid is, uh, I got a 15 year old who's obsessed with music and he says, if it's on Spotify, then it's, it's garbage. Um, so he only listens to to things on SoundCloud and YouTube and it's, let me tell you, it's the worst music I've ever heard in my life, but he's he's absolutely like him and his friends. That's just the way they are. And so again, that, that generation is coming and I think that there's absolutely a niche here that, that those of us that are, that, you know, are, Used to the traditional albums, may not always fully understand. Um, but you know, as we kind of roll into the end of the year here, um, you guys are blockchain natives at this point. You've you've uh, <laughs> weathered weathered your first uh, uh, crypto, uh, you know, bull bull to bear. Um, Baron, what are your kind of thoughts on where we're at today and, and where kind of the industry is going? In, in any perspective?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know. For me, looking at where the industry as a whole stands right now is, uh, you know, my big hope for the next big bull cycle. As we all know, eventually this will turn back around the other way. And then all of a sudden there'll be a ton more people interested in cryptocurrency all over again, just like the ICO craze and the crash. And then it was back up and now it's back down. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's cyclical. But... I think that as an industry, we need to be setting the stage right now to take advantage of the next bull cycle through an emphasis on improved user experiences, UI, UX, make it a lot cleaner, make it a lot easier. We need to get out of the tech bro stage as an industry and move into more, okay, how do we actually build usable tools that regular people can have access to? I think it's easy sometimes in this vacuum of the world that we live in with crypto Twitter and everything else that you can get sucked up into to really feel like there's a lot of people in this and a lot of people working on this. And the statistics remain staggering in terms of the number of people who do not own cryptocurrency, who do not have a wallet, who do not own NFTs, especially you know, when you look at the practical application of an NFT, I always tell people that, you know, trying to ask somebody like, what is an NFT? It's a little bit like asking, what can you do with a piece of paper? Okay, I can draw a picture on it. I can put a contract on it. I can do a lot of different things with paper. NFTs have just barely, barely, barely scratched the surface of their long-term utility and their impact on our lives. And I hope that, you know, as we get ready to move forward into this next a uh, bare time period where we can really build and um, you know take our heads off of the price action and hopefully everybody's not just staring at charts all day long trying to get uh, you know trying to buy the next uh, sheep or whatever it is that everybody's targeting at that point in time you know let's let's really try to embrace this next phase of blockchain adoption where it's really an emphasis more on the practical uses of the technology because it's going to be more beneficial for all of our bags if you are a bag holder out there who's mainly concerned you know with your own profit it'll be more beneficial for the rest of us, all of us, you included, if we can get this technology into mainstream adoption. And so I hope that as we get ready to transition from this bear cycle back to the bull cycle, inevitably, whenever that comes, two years, three years, you know, whatever it is that you believe, um, you know, that we spend some time to really think practically about our business use cases and move on from the sort of ponzonomics, if you will, stage of, uh, you know, this technology into like, You know, practical solutions and and real companies. And so, um, you know, that's that's really kind of my, uh, my 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 thought right now is I'm hoping that we kind of take the next step, you know, as an industry into mainstream adoption.
1: I, I, I love that, and and I, I really echo almost everything you say. Um, and I love your analogy of of kind of how you know NFTs and tokens should be. Uh, mine is only minorly different to you. I, I think NFTs should be thought of like a key. Um, mm. You know, it, it should unlock something, whether it's value, utility, uh, access, whatever the case is. But an NFT is nothing more than a fancy key. Um, and if it is nothing more than a fancy key that unlocks nothing, then you you know what you have. You have. A fancy JPEG um, or whatever the case is, so you have to have access from that point. Um, and so I'm really excited again to to hope that your uh, your fruition's um, come true. And and I'm really excited to see what what solo events is going to do in the future. Um, Luke, over to you. Um, you know, again, you, you've you've transitioned a number of industries. You're a seasoned entrepreneur, business owner, and a variety of others. Um, this is a very different asset class. Uh, I also come from real estate, so I entirely understand um, the speed of which this moves compared to the real estate world. Um, what's your thoughts on where the industry is today and, and where it's going?
3: Yeah, I mean, gosh, how do I how do I follow up from from Baron? brand had such a great summary. Um, you know, I think I think we're at least I'm tired of seeing the majority of NFT holders today are people that are just looking to flip and make more and more money. Um, and I I just hope the next wave is people start to see NFTs as an asset that they truly want to own and want to keep long-term of, like you said, the key and access to people they love, businesses they love, access to, um, you know, all sorts of things. And something else that you mentioned earlier is ownership for our artists to understand, for people to start understanding what ownership truly looks like in web three. You're not going to get cut off of your own community. If you own uh, all those token addresses of people who have bought your NFTs and you can help migrate them to other platforms in the future. And there is this awesome sense of ownership uh, that you can have with your your holders that you can't get with web two. And uh, if you have a million followers on Instagram, you cannot migrate those million followers over to Twitter. You just can't. And that's the problem with web two versus web three is that ownership. And I just hope that the adoption comes sooner than later. People just truly understanding the value of what an NFT is versus just, I'm going to buy a a million dollar uh, ape with a laser shooting out of its head you know, to, no, this is a real life practical utility for me to own this digital asset.
1: Yeah. You're, you're, I mean, it looks in, in real estate, you know, we can look back and clearly see where the bubbles were, um, back in, you know, <laughs> back years ago. Um, and I think we clearly also saw the bubble in NFTs, uh, you know, at the exact time it burst, you know, it was, it was, uh, some of these guys paying millions of dollars for, you know, perceived value on a lot of Projects that, that did have nothing behind the scenes, not even an operating team yeah. anymore, um, and and that that works great in a bull. Everything's going up in a bull. Um, but but you know now we get yeah. down to to brass tacks, and you got to have actual value. You got to have a team that knows how to execute. And so I really uh, applaud you for for taking the risk and, and switching industries to come over to something like this. Uh, the you. concepts are new. It's an emerging asset class. So you guys are bleeding edge. Um, there's a number of other people that are trying to tackle this problem, but I think yours is very eloquent. Um, and and you're already into revisions. You know. And you're, you're revising uh, versus evolving, so it's it's a really cool to kind of see that project move into that perspective.
3: It'll be very interesting to see where blockchain takes real estate. It's it will 100% change the game, and it's just a matter of time.
1: It it it's almost it. it, it where are we at right now? Like a trillion dollars on on. Um, You know, the current entire cryptocurrency market cap, uh, if the real estate industry went ahead and just adopted blockchain technologies, uh, you know, for the entire industry, I mean, you're $10 trillion right there. That's just in the yep. residential market, um, yep. you know. So overnight, just for the the transactions that would happen in a year, so it, it's a very big thing. So I completely agree. Um, but stay, you stay focused. Right now, you're good. Same you, focus. We'll, we'll tackle. We'll, ta- we'll, we'll, we'll tackle real estate <laughs> next. Um, so, so real quick, uh, Brian and Luke, where's the best place for people to find you? They want to learn more, whether they're artists uh, that that want to utilize your platform or just kind of people that want to understand what you built and how.
2: Yeah, definitely. So uh, they can go to solomusic.io to see the drops that we have done so far with the artists that were referenced. Um, The version two of the platform actually will be uh, in beta mode by the end of this month. So if somebody is interested in in hopping on and helping us test that out, uh, you know, they can reach out to us um, on Twitter at Baron Solomon. They can go to the website. There's uh, plenty of contact information, lots of emails there that they can utilize, um, you know, and and you can find us pretty much in any of those locations. Um, Luke, you want to you want to plug the
3: old uh, Twitter handle, there, man? Yeah, sure. I'm at Remington Porter. It's my real name. Uh, at Remington Port on Twitter. Uh, reach out to me. My email is Luke at solomusic.io. If you have any questions or any interest in uh, hopping on the platform, feel free to email me. Reach out to me,
1: Baron. Please work on getting uh, Luca more Djeni. Twitter Yeah, except
2: until you remember that when you go, you get to see one of the apes that he actually owns. And then you go, oh, okay, this guy's an actual uh, DJ. You know, mine's, mine's just my face. And so nobody really knows, you know, if I'm a DJ or not. He owns his right from the beginning. And I love yeah. that.
1: That's fabulous. Hey. So I, 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 yeah. Again, fabulous story, guys. Really excited for everything you have to see for you guys uh, to be building and excited to see where things go in the future. Why whales? This is uh Baron and Luke with soul music. Uh look forward to seeing you guys on fireside here soon.
3: Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Jay.
0: Thanks for having us. Anytime. anytime. Why whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.